You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing fine. It is uh, the uh, start of a new quarter here, rolling into the first quarter of 2021. And so it's the time of the quarter when we look back and see what was going on in the markets last quarter and maybe talk a little bit about what might affect things going forward. Absolutely. And this uh, fourth quarter one's always fun because we get to recap the whole year and right. take a look at, you know, kind of where 2020 ended and what 2021 might have in store for us. So yeah. I'm excited about this one. Yeah. And uh, what a year it was. Yes, it was. Yes. If I had said, you know, if we think back, I, I like to start thinking about 2020 by thinking back to where we were in January of 2020. And if you remember back a year ago, the economy was in a pretty good spot. The market had just come off of a very good year in 2019. And we were talking about how the economy looked pretty good, but there were some things to be concerned about. We were worried about trade war talks with China and how that was going to play out. We were worried a little bit about inflation. We were worried about the fact there was full unemployment and you know how that was going to affect the economy if we could sustain that without having a lot of inflation. And right. we were talking about the fact we were coming into a, a pretty politically charged election season later in the year. Those were the things we were worried about, yeah. right? And, That's right. And then... You know, that's not the way some of those things were were definitely concerns. But, you know, if I had said to you last January, instead of talking about those things, if I had said, hey, you know, there's going to be a global pandemic that's going to turn our economy along with the rest of the world on its head. You're going to have to rethink just about everything about your work life and a lot of your home life. Oh, and by the way, um, on top of the uh, election concerns, we're also going to have, you know, fighting in the streets in a lot of American cities over this summer. And the election is going to get so bad that, uh, you know, there's going to be talk of armed insurrections. And then I told you that, hey, but by the way, the Standard of Course 500 is going to be plus 20 for the year. Right. Well, <laughs> you I would have said, Dave, you're either crazy or you're brilliant. Not sure right. which one. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it turns out <laughs> that I would have been brilliant. But, right. <laughs> but I would have uh, been perfectly fine if you had... Uh, you know, called the uh, called the doctors at that point, if that had been, right. you know, what I was what I was what I was talking about. But that's pretty much how the year played out. Right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was, you know, it was quite a year. We all went through a lot. And then on top of it all, the S&P just kind of chugged along. And so mm -hmm. that was a very interesting especially in our business and our experience to have issues like that and the S&P basically and, and, the, and the global stock markets for right. that matter, just kind of shake it off and keep doing what they do. So that was yeah. Yeah. very interesting and, and probably an unlikely scenario, if you will. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, if I had told you those things, you would have said, well, the market's going to, going to completely crumble. And, you know, if we had stopped in, mid-March and had this conversation, that would have been right on, right? The market was in free yeah. fall and uh, everybody, uh, you know, was running around trying to figure out how we were going to operate in this new environment and how long is it going to last and what's it going to mean? And 
Then stability came in largely because the government intervened in a way that they have never done before with just massive government infusion of um, money in people's pockets, unemployment benefits, and uh, lowering interest rates and creating an environment where it was conducive for businesses to keep spending money and keep pumping the economy along. And so far it's worked. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's worked, you know, remarkably well, all things considered. Um, and, and we'll get into that when we talk about kind of what's looking forward to 2021 as well. But I think, you know, one of my main takeaways from the year in general was it really came back to something that you and I say and, and talk to clients to about quite a bit, which is you can't time the market, right? Because right. if we were timing the market, we would have been out in March <laughs> and we would right. have lost a lot. In right. April, May, June, July, you know, throughout the end of the year, because like you said, if if we would have we said if we would have told you at the beginning of the year we're gonna have a global pandemic, you would have gotten out of the stock market right. and stayed out. And on and that just didn't, you know, that didn't come to fruition in terms of what the market did. Right, right. And let's let's say you had gotten out and haven't gotten back in yet. You know, do you feel good about getting back in now? Are you gonna feel good about getting back in next month? You know, what is what is your entry point then? And that's always the other side of that market timing equation because it's never going to feel good. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's one of the, I think the harder things is, is when to get back in, not necessarily when to get out, but when you get back in. Right, right. And uh, I always think back to a couple calls I got in 2016, 2017 from people that had gotten out of the market in 2009, you know, and yeah. we're still looking, still waiting for that pullback that was going to let them in. And, right. uh, you know, so you just never know. And we certainly aren't uh, expecting things to be all sunshine and uh, dandelions here, you know, going forward. There's plenty to plenty to worry about. But it's also kind of a sigh of relief at the same time that in spite of all the uh, other things that we had to deal with emotionally and commercially and economically last year, at least our at least our portfolios held up and uh, and taught some some positive lessons along the way. Yeah, absolutely. As far as looking forward, I always like to uh, look at these, uh, the good news and bad news slides that uh, one of our money managers, SCI, puts together for us. And uh, yeah, these are a great way to just kind of take a look at things, you know, because there's always good with the bad, right? Not, right. We don't ever have a quarter where everything's good and everything goes up. And so it kind of helps us distill down what happened and, and what to look for and, and mm-hmm. what might affect things going forward. So these are, these are neat. So on the, on the good news side of the equation, COVID-19, COVID-19 vaccines are, are being distributed. We're, we're all talking to people now. I had my first couple clients get the second dose last week. We're starting to see that gain some traction, and it's raising hopes that the pandemic will subside in a meaningful way later this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there can be better news than that as it relates to just the way we live our lives, as well as, you know, kind of what's going on in the market and in what we predict or or what we project to be the recovery. A lot of it is based on how quickly we can get these vaccines out to people and how effective they turn out to be. So there's definitely some unknowns out there, but as far as good news, it it doesn't get better than that. The next point in the good news column is that monetary and fiscal support, meaning government intervention, remains generally favorable for risky assets. 
So with interest rates likely to remain at very low levels for the next couple of years, which is what the Federal Reserve has maintained, that's a good environment for the stock market, despite all the chaos going on. And I think uh, to your point there about fiscal policy, you know, we, we haven't quite seen the last, at least the last talk of stimulus and what's going on now that we have a new president in and we have, you know, new House and Senate members yet to be told what if any more fiscal stimulus um, comes into play, which I think is a is a likely potential outcome. It might not right. be what we've seen in the past, but certainly something else is probably coming down the pipeline. Right. And and to put that that stuff in in more regular terms, you know, some of that stimulus is money in people's pockets, which right. helps make sure they don't miss payments and also gives them money to buy things they wouldn't normally have bought and stimulate the economy. The interest rate environment with interest rates being low does a couple things for the for the stock market. And, you know, one is that when we look at the values of stocks, an important aspect of that is looking at how much inflation is likely to be in the future. And when they're holding interest rates down and inflation is low, then those values of stocks can be more uh, can be looked at in a more favorable mathematical light. So that that's part of it. And the other thing is when interest rates are low, there's not a lot of reason to save your money if you've got something you can spend it on. And that goes for companies and it goes for individuals. So, you know, if you're a corporation and you're sitting on money that you'd be making a quarter percent on in the bank, if you were lucky, hey, maybe you should go out and hire people and build a new factory or, you know, buy some new equipment that's going to create jobs at uh, Caterpillar or John Deere or somewhere. And it's the same for our everyday clients too, who, you know, maybe instead of having that money sit in the bank doing nothing, you're going to put a new porch on your house or um, go buy that car that you you put off last year because you didn't know where you were going to drive it. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other side of that too, is if you can borrow at a low interest rate, and mm-hmm. if you're doing things you're, that you would have normally put off, you can do them now because the cost isn't so high. And right. we've certainly seen a lot of that in the housing market and kind of what's going on there. Oh, and yeah. How hot the housing market has been lately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another uh, uh, point in the good news column is that you know, regardless of your politics, the election this year really appears to be a victory for the moderates and the political center. We saw um, we saw some interesting things in the congressional races where people voted one way for, at the top of the ticket for the presidential election, but didn't necessarily follow that all the way down. And we saw a mixture of Republicans and Democrats come into office that kind of gives us the impression that neither extreme really was right. where the rest of the, where the country is. And I think by and large, that leads to stability down the road one way or another. Yeah. And I think, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but what the market likes is stability, right? And so with the previous administration, the market was never quite sure what was going to happen or what could potentially happen. And, and mm-hmm. I think that not that they know what this administration is going to do, but they have a much better idea of what kind of policy is going to come out of this current administration because it's not quite, you know, there's no tweets going off at midnight about this, that, or the other thing. And so I think that leads to a little bit more stability when it comes yes. to the market in general. And And at the same time, on the other side of the political equation, you know, if you think back to some of the things we were hearing last summer, 
there was a very strong minority far to the left that that would have ushered in a whole different type of extreme politics. And that would have been destabilizing too, from a market standpoint. Again, we we don't want to necessarily get political here, but essentially the far right and the far left both kind of lost in this election. And America in a way said, hey, we're kind of in the middle on all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you think (laughs) of a great example of that is student loan debt, right? Those some of those candidates on the on the far left wanted to forgive everything. And now Mm -hmm. the last I heard, they're throwing around ten thousand dollars. So that's the far cry from forgiving everything. Right, right. So that's like what you're saying, back to the middle. Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) and that's that's typical in election years. You hear the extremist rhetoric, and then when they get down to the act of actually governing, passing laws and trying to work out deals, you you end up in the middle. One side, or maybe yeah. tainted one side or the other, depending on the situation, but it's never the extreme. And that's that's democracy in action. Speaking of deals, that's our next point, right? Yeah. Uh, Brexit. The Brexit deal is, for all intents and purposes, done, um, yeah. which if you remember, I can't how many years ago was it that that was the Ju- big thing? June 2016 market? was the referendum. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, come a long way. <laughs> and just, you know, to put that in context and explain it a little bit. You know, back in 2016, the English people, by and British people, by and large, said, "Hey, we don't want to be part of the European Union anymore." And it was kind of it was kind of a knee jerk reaction because then meant there had to be a lot of things negotiated, and then there were all these deadlines that kept getting extended about when the when they were going to actually leave the EU, right. and whether there was going to be a deal in place before they did. Well, they worked out a deal so that at least the uh, you know, the folks in London can get groceries from France and people understand the rules around the borders. So another yeah. again, it ended up a little bit more centrist and moderate than what you would have thought in June of 2016. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I liken it to, you know, the, the British people got mad. It was kind of like kind of like the British people got mad at their girlfriend, the EU, and told her told her to leave and didn't realize she was going to take the TV and the couch right. when she left, you know? And, th- and they and, still had to share the dog. <laughs> right, 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 right. So they were like, the next couple of days later, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's let's talk, let's work this out. So so they finally got that worked out and that's stabil- stabilizing for the markets because, you know, England and France and Germany are big drivers of the world economy. So they need to, uh, they need to have these deals in place. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see going forward, you know, how much different it is versus how much yeah. it, things stay the same. Yeah. So that'll be yeah. a, an interesting experience for the UK, um, for sure. It'll be interesting to see what the Eurozone looks like 10 years from now. Yeah, if, yeah. It's, if it's even sustainable. We've also seen, and this is good news for the stock market in general, a, a rotation into parts of the market that hadn't done well for a few years started to do well in the fourth quarter. And what that tells us is it's not just a few things leading the markets higher, you know, that and that which can also then lead to a sharp decline when that stops. Instead, folks with money to invest started looking at what had lagged behind before and started putting money there. So now those are the new leaders. Yeah, and that was definitely a, a real concern earlier in the year because when we looked at it and started to look at what was doing well, you know, the, the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google really took off in the pandemic where right. some of the other ones, you know, they kind of really held 
the S&P 500 dragged it up with it. Um, right. So it's really good to see that there's some some of the lagging market sectors are starting to pick up yeah. as well. That's a great sign going forward. Yeah, because it, 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 it's a bullish sign overall for the markets when, when folks start mm-hmm. looking broader. So we saw value stocks, meaning those that are lower priced compared to their earnings start to do better. We saw a rotation into international stocks and a lot of small companies do better too. So... So that's the good, Dave. Yeah. Give, it, so, give us the bad. All right. So <laughs> the first item up on the bad news kind of goes with the first item on the good news. And that's, you know, the virus is still spreading. You know, we've seen better numbers this week, but as of the end of the quarter, it was still spreading, uh, forcing more economic disruptions and lockdowns and travel restrictions in the U.S. and Europe and Canada. Um, we're not really sure when that's going to end. We're 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 still not sure what the long-term prognosis is. Yeah, definitely. And and as more states begin to loosen up some of those restrictions, it'll be really interesting from the market perspective of can they maintain that or are we going to go back into right, lockdown, right. pause mode? Right. If they open up too early, then we see another spike in infections and we're right back where we started again. So it's a balancing act. And, uh, you know, we'd like to think our politicians could like, get elected to office knowing these things, but, uh, nope, they're learning on the fly and uh, yeah. that's just the way life is. Second item on the, uh, the bad news or potentially bad news list is that the federal reserve is risking the loss of some independence. If it works too closely with the Biden administration, trying to support indebted corporations and government borrowers. And so what that's getting at is while that monetary and fiscal policy that we talked about on the good side is good for now. There's always concern that if the Fed pays more attention to keeping the economy going and being tightly wound with the the administration's policies, they're going to ignore inflation and it'll cause problems down the road. Yeah. And that's one of those, you know, when, when we look at the economy overall as a whole in situations like this. There's some things that the Fed can do to lower interest rates and to support the economy. And there's also some things that the administration or or the government can do to lower taxes, stimulus, things like that. And so in times of crisis, we really want them to work together to come up with a plan. Um, But the concern of that is then they have to be able to go their separate ways and kind of break some of that off because the Fed's number one goal is inflation. And so they can't forget about that too long to to kind of push agenda. And so that's kind of what we're hinting at here where we'll be watching closely what the Fed does and how they remain independent, especially, you know, depending on what inflation does. And we've been... Lucky that we haven't had a lot of inflation, so they haven't had a lot to do with that, but that can change pretty quickly. Right. And and we've got an interesting personality dynamic involved this time around where the Treasury Secretary, who was just appointed and approved last week, was the Federal Reserve chairperson not that long ago. And so a lot of the sitting governors on the Federal Reserve right now have relationships with Janet Yellen and know, you know, they know each other going back a ways. And so that's that's part of the concern, too, is that with her role as Treasury Secretary now being part of the administration may influence what the in a way that we wouldn't necessarily have seen if they were complete outsiders. Right. So, yeah. 
Um, we'll see. I, I tend to give uh, the benefit of the doubt in those kinds of situations, but uh, yeah. that's, that's been a concern I've heard. Um, again, along the, the political front, there's concern that the Biden administration's policies will be more restrictive for companies, that there's going to be more regulation, possibly higher taxes, things that will add to the cost of doing business. Um, you can debate whether those things are worthwhile or not. Um, and, and the, the social political aspects of it. But if we have increased regulation, we would expect it to have a downside for corporations and the stock market potentially. Yeah. And that's one of the issues with the, um, the abundance of executive orders that we've kind of seen over the last couple of administrations where, you know, Trump comes in and repeals a lot of what mm-hmm. Obama put in and then Biden comes in and does the same thing. Right. And so we don't really have any real trajectory because those policies can be reversed by the incoming president. Right. So, as opposed to laws passed by Congress that the administrations have to follow when right. you're, yeah, when the, when the law leaves room for it to be done by executive order, then you see these changes for sure. Yeah. So, and then back to the Brexit deal, it did not address the UK's future ease of access to the common market for its financial sector and its other service industries. You know, London's been the financial capital of Europe for generations. And so it'd be kind of like if New York, decided to go their own way and we didn't negotiate a way to, for the rest of the country to, you know, work, <laughs> work right. in the markets. And work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we've got a uh, 20% tariff when we uh, try to invest your money in Wall Street because New York's right. now a separate uh, entity, um, you know, just uh, just waiting to see how that'll work out. Uh, again, I kind of look at that and think, you know, both sides have a lot to lose if they don't figure that out. and. Um, they'll probably work it out here before too long. Yeah, hopefully. You know, that's kind of one of those we'll figure it out as we go through it type of deals, but it definitely leaves a little bit of uncertainty. And like we talked about earlier, uncertainty is something that the market is never a big fan of. So, yeah, yeah. So then there's also the concern that a weak dollar could add inflation pressure that can hurt the bond market and clouds the outlook for um, stocks that are more that, are, that we would invest in more because they have a long-term life cycle of growth, which those those sort of companies typically benefit from a low low yield environment because they don't have to pay as much to buy bonds or issue bonds, borrow money. So keep in mind, a weak dollar is related to keeping our interest rates low, which the Federal Reserve has pledged to do. Yeah, so that's kind of, you know, uh, if we stop and and step back and talk about bonds for a little bit, you know, this is something that we've had in the past, especially when we lowered interest rates, you know, after 2008. And so bonds and interest rates kind of work on a teeter-totter, if you will, where when interest rates go up, bond prices go down, when interest rates Mm -hmm. go down, bond prices go up. And in a portfolio, when you're putting together a portfolio, that's kind of your safer asset that's supposed to, right. you know, hold value, go up when the markets are down. And so when with interest rates being so low for so long, that causes some concern around how well that would hold value if we did get a decline in the market. So it's certainly something that we're looking at and putting together portfolios and how that bonds play that role going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
you know, if if you have inflation for the right reasons, meaning the economy is growing, you'll see the stock market go up even if bonds aren't that great. But that's kind of what we expect when we build portfolios, right? We don't expect bonds right. to outperform stocks. But when you have inflation for the wrong reasons, meaning that, uh, you know, things have gotten out of control with the Federal Reserve or, you know, they're caused by some externality we hadn't counted on, then, you know, that can that can cause a problem. So uh, we need to keep an eye on that. It's uh, going to be an interesting, uh, it's always interesting. As the old Chinese proverb says, may you live in interesting times, right? Yeah. I think we've got absolutely. plenty plenty of interesting things going on right now. So. Um, you know, if if there's one thing I we know is that uh, there'll be something that comes along that we haven't counted on or thought about that'll be the the driving force for 2021, just like it was in 2020. That's exactly right, and that's what you know keeps it interesting, keeps us kind of on our toes. It's not the mm-hmm. stuff that we see coming down the pipe; it's the things that we haven't thought about or don't know about or don't even exist yet that really can kind of cause issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, we'll check back in next quarter, see where we're at and, uh, see, see what's changed. Absolutely. You know, we, we wrapped up a great 2020 and and we would be lucky to have another 2021. Um, obviously Mm -hmm. there's always going to be things that happen during the year. So definitely we'll check back next quarter and and let you know where things stand and what we talked about that we were right about and what we talked about that we weren't because both of those things are going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> yep, and we'll have uh, we'll have our written quarterly market commentary up on the website with this podcast. So if you uh, want to get real nerdy with the charts, they'll be there. And of course, give us a call if you want to uh, discuss any of it and what it means for you and your financial plan. Absolutely, great stuff, Dave. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.